God is so good. Hallelujah, Jesus. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. Praise God. So excited for what God is doing right now. And uh, um, last Sunday after church, we went over to uh, Seth and Mrs. for a uh, little uh, barbecue and fun and games and uh, um, great time of food and fellowship. And all of our guys broke out into a football game. Actually, it wasn't just guys, some girls too and kids. And um, I'm not sure how many of them were walking straight Monday. Um, I, I saw a couple falls, a couple tumbles, somebody go down a hill, um, but they, you know what, they kept going and playing. It looked like a lot of fun. So I love uh, the body of Christ getting together and spending time together. And uh, if you're uh, not on our crew app, which is, gets a lot of these announcements, uh, you can see myself after service, or um, uh, JP's not here, he's another one that adds it, uh, few others can do that and they, anybody can do it that's already on there you just have to know how to get in there and add somebody so it's not a complicated process but uh, we can put you on there and do that you can just give us your cell phone number and we'll send you an invite and you can download that and be a good time so praise God we let Willie out of the cage today Lou was gone today and we locked Willie up so uh, uh, praise God he was on the drums for us today um, God is so good. Uh, just, I've had such a fantastic time this week um, in the presence of God, and uh, just been a busy week. Um, a lot of things that you know you just don't always have control over. Um, God just continues to show Himself faithful. So uh, praise God. A um, couple things to make you aware of. First off, the seniors mystery trip is coming up October 11th. Sign up is out in the uh, foyer, and where are they going, Gene? I know. <laughs> Gene does these trips throughout the year, and uh, the only one that knows where they're going is her and uh, my wife, who is the other driver. Um, I have a general idea, because I keep track of my wife where she was at that day, so I have a general idea of the general area, but I don't know where we're going, so my wife doesn't tell me either. Gene doesn't even tell me, and I'm the pastor, so... But uh, So that sign-up is out there, and she needs sign-ups uh, within the next couple weeks there on that. So please, uh, if you're interested, October 11th, uh, that's coming up. Uh, also, um, wanted to uh, make you aware of our Fall Family Fun Festival coming up on... Well, you know, I rotate the words quite frequently. October 4th. Uh, I think it is Saturday. Is that October 4th? 5th. October 5th. Saturday, October 5th from 11 to 2 is the event. So we have some inflatables, hot dogs and stuff. If you'd like to donate hot dogs or if you'd like to donate buns or um, little... Uh, we, this is our alternative to doing a Halloween event. Um, we do this... There's so many different Halloween alternative events going on throughout the area that we moved ours up and had a fall festival. We moved the candy out of the way. We do have, if you do little Debbie cakes, anything that you can wrap individually, we don't like put platters of open food up there other than hot dogs. We have someone running the grill, keeping those going, bags of chips, little individual bags of chips, stuff like that. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be gathering those items. Next Sunday, the sign-up sheet will be out there in the foyer. We do two rotations. So if you do the setup, then you work the first half of our festival. So setup people get here um, about 9.30, 9, 9.30, work the first half. And then the second half comes on uh, right around uh, 12.30. Uh, so you, the first people are done by 12.30, second group comes on, and when they're done, they tear down. So we have it really set up in a good rotation. We don't overwork anybody, and it's a lot of fun. So uh, we need your, your support. 
um, sign up to help bring some, um, you know, little Debbie cakes or stuff like that. Um, anything that is, uh, you can make cookies. We had people make cookies and put them in individual bags and then kids come through and pick them up. Uh, we typically get a cotton candy machine. We have a popcorn popper. Um, it's amazing watching these kids go through this cotton candy. You know, they get this big old ball of cotton candy. They wad it up into a, big, a small little place and throw it in their mouth. And I saw one year, I can't remember which kid it was, they went through like 12 of those. They had to be on such a sugar high by the time they were done that day. But um, you know what, we we bless parents by sending their kids home with them after that. And so, um, but your support will be greatly appreciated. So, uh, praise God. In the next several weeks, I'm going to be going into a series dealing with the keys to the kingdom. But I thought in order to set the stage for this, I wanted to go through a message, uh, and it's going to be a little different style message than what I normally do, dealing with a passage of Scripture that I believe sets the stage for God to use us and for us to um, to have a mindset that keeps us focused, centered. Um, And the message title today is that of brokenness brokenness Um, how many of you think you know what brokenness means okay there's a few of you I think anytime we think we have an idea of what brokenness is all about um, something comes to show us I I found this nice little jar you know it's probably a leftover mayo jar looks like a good Hellman's jar and uh, I started thinking about brokenness in, in light of how things affect us. And when things get broken, there's ra- these jagged edges on things. Now, there's a lot of pieces in here. And if I were to assign someone a job, there are some detail-oriented people that would dump out all these pieces, and they may be able to glue this mason jar back together. But it's going to look different. It's going to be, it's going to have the the signs of brokenness to it. You may be able to seal it up where it will hold liquid again. It'll still be able to contain some things. But it's the only thing I'm breaking. For those of you who don't go running, I'm not going to break anything else. I just needed a simple illustration to show you what brokenness sometimes resembles. Now, we look at this and we think, wow, that looks dangerous. The thing we don't always realize is some people, when they're broken in their life, are dangerous. Because... They don't know how to always respond. See, this jar doesn't intend to hurt you. But if you grab this jar wrong, it's going to cut you. Now, there is no ill intent in the jar. It's just a jar, a broken jar right now. But this jar can be dangerous. And so I want you to understand that in your state of brokenness, there are times you have an edge to you. Even when God repairs you, um, sometimes you, you can cut people, not intentionally, but because of the edges that are still present. If I were to glue this together, somebody would look at this jar and think, what in the world is that? And why in the world would anybody keep that? Have any of you ever broke something and glued it together and thought, I just have to keep this. It, it was a family heirloom or something. Some, it had some significant meaning to it, some value. People do that all the time. And so they glue it together, and those in the house know that it was broken and why. Those coming over and they see it and they think, huh, I wonder if a kid did that. It was probably an adult, and the kid just gets blamed for a while. But. No kids, put your hand in here. I will dispose of that properly when we're done. But I want you to be aware of the edges that are sometimes present 
in our brokenness. And God gives us such great illustrations in the Word that help us to understand a life that is broken at times. And, and the person that I want us to go to is found in the book of Psalms chapter 51. His name is David. If you'll turn there, I have no PowerPoints for you today. Your PowerPoint is in your own Bible. You know I like my PowerPoints and handouts and giving you lots of things to fill in. But today I just, man, I've wrestled with this all week. I wanted so much to really just jump into the, the keys to the kingdom today and talk about that. I love, I love talking about the kingdom of God and we're talking about that a little bit in Sunday school and the things that are available to us as uh, children of God, heirs to the kingdom. I, it's it's going to be a great time in the house of God for the next several weeks as we deal with um, the blessings that are available to us in the kingdom of God. You know, my children can talk to you about the blessings that are available because they live in my home. There is normally ice cream. Can anybody say amen? amen? All right. So there's normally ice cream in my home. There is normally some type of snack. There's normally some type of snack. Lately, I've been in the habit of keeping um, little gem donuts um, and individually, you know, those small ones, they come to like three donuts to a pack because my grandboys come over. And they had gotten into the habit of Papa uh, having donuts for them. So rather than going out and buying a, you know, one of those bigger bags and then having to eat those um, until they're gone, I just bought the three packs. So I've got a bunch of those. So now when they come over, they get a three-pack of donuts. And they love it. You know, and, um, but there's, there's some provisions that are available because they live in my home. And they want to live there. I want to live in the house of God. When I uh, first uh, came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, my world changed. I became so aware of the blessings that are present when I walk with the Father. Um, he changed. He gave me an outlook on life that is far exceeds anything that I could ever imagine on my own. And so for me, there is a great joy in walking with God. Now, people say, well, what about all the things you have to give up? Man, yes, you're right. I had to give up alcohol and drugs and uh, uh, fighting and divorce and abuse. I gave up a lot of things. I gave up heartbreak. I gave up, you know, all of these kinds of addictions just to walk with God. See, we, we act like following God means we can't have any fun. Now, I have a lot of fun <laughs> as a follower of God. Are there things I don't do? Yeah, there's a lot of things I don't do. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I don't go out racing. No, that's not fun to me. I don't, I don't, I'm not destructive. That's not fun to me. There are people that find great uh, fun in those things. But I find fun in just sitting down and having a, a game of cards with someone and laughing and giving them a hard time. I, I find great fun in just being able to sit around a, a, a table and just uh, fellowships. With Last week was just, there was so much laughter last week. Um, I, I got to have... Um, uh, I played a game of Cornell. Now, you know me. Those of you that know me, I am very competitive at everything that I play. Except, well, even with this, when I get a child on my team. So last week, um, I got to play Cornhole with, um, it was with Darling and with Savannah. And with, um, I'm trying to think who else. It was Paul, Paul Newman. And so it was Darling and I on a team, and Savannah and Paul on a team, and I was throwing against Savannah. She outthrew me. So she, she had several dead eye right in the middle there. And, uh, but I just had a fun time. I was high-fiving her, cheering her along, and, and Darling was so adorable in her learning to throw. I, I, was this your first game? 
So first game ever, and she got to be on my team, and she had a good time. She wanted to be on the same, she wanted to throw on the same side I did. I don't know if it was so that she wasn't on my team, or just that I was encouraging. I couldn't figure that one out. But, um, but see, that's what is available in the kingdom of God, that level of fun, that level of, of laughter, of joy. Um, I've seen God bring health and healing that I never experienced in the world. See, I know, I know what it's like to come from a, a broken family. Uh, my, my household was a, a broken household. And it wasn't broken for the things of God. It was broken because the things of the world had literally ravished our, our household to where uh, there was no joy. There was no uh, laughter. There, man, we, just, we just existed. That, so when I came to God at 16... Uh, when, I, when I asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life, man, it wasn't what I gave up, it's what I gained. Man, I gained a family. And I love my earthly family, even, though, even if they're not all walking with God, I love them. But man, I tell you what, the house of God, the family of God, I love spending time with them. So when we look at brokenness in the house of God and the things that you know God is able to to fix we look at God fixing vessels that have been not only broken from the world but things that in the church itself are broken and God is bringing this healing presence in to fix and uh, when I look at David there is no better example in the scripture of a man who um through a brokenness, came to a place of great usefulness in the house of God. And so, if you'll turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 51, give you a little history here. Uh, David had committed um, a sin. He had a relationship with Bathsheba, a married woman. And then, to try to cover it up, he um, had her husband sent to the front line of the war. They were in the midst of a, a time of war. And he had all of the other men pulled back so that he was killed. And when that happened, David thought that his troubles were over. And as king, he thought he had a lot of power and authority to do whatever he wanted. And Nathan the prophet comes to David in the book. If you can read the account in 1 Samuel, I think it is. And you can go there. And, and Nathan comes to him and he presents this example to him. He said, uh, there was this man who had two sheep. Greatly loved. Or he had one sheep, sorry. And it was greatly loved. It was, it was like a household pet. And someone comes along and, and, he, and he takes this man's one sheep. And he kills it. And David gets all outraged. Well, that person should be, you know, he should have to repay him. He, should, he t starts talking about all these things that should be done. And Nathan said, that person is you. Because <laughs> you had access, you had many wives. You had potential. You could have had anyone. And you took this one man's wife, who was not yours. And David comes to a place of brokenness before God. And the, the, the account of Psalms 51 is David crying out to God. So we're going to read the, the psalm, and then I'm going to break it down for us, for us to be able to see the application of it for our lives today. Psalms 51, reading from the uh, ESV, says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgments. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. 
Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and up me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Let's pray. Father, I just thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the ability that it has to penetrate into our, our lives, to reveal to us Your heart and Your nature, how You desire to work within our own lives. Father, I pray today for openness to the things that You're doing and the preparation You're making for us to become useful vessels for You. We ask for this in Your name. Amen. So we're going to go through this verse by verse, trying to give you just a glimpse of how God wants to work with us. And really, it's a process that we, each one, as we begin to study... Uh, we're told uh, to study to show ourselves approved, a workman who needeth not uh, to be dishonored, to be, uh, uh, who need not be ashamed. Study. There is a responsibility that God has placed on each one of us to study. I cannot study for Joe. Joe may have a big test coming up, but I can't study for Joe. Joe has to study. And, and some of you think, well, Joe's not in school anymore. Joe doesn't have any tests. There are tests every day, aren't there, Joe? <laughs> the test of life that will reveal what we know about God and how God is able to sustain us in the midst of the challenges and trials of life. When we study God's Word, the things that we're studying prepare us for the trials of life, the challenges that we face. And so... I know not everybody has a Bible college background, but all of us have an opportunity to study the Bible uh, and learn its background. Um, there is no excuse anymore because there are resources untold out there. You could go to uh, uh, crosswalk.com. You can go to uh, biblestudytools.com. There's all these different ones that are available. Blue Light Bible. Uh, and, and not only do they give you variations of translations, but they give you um, Strong's Concordances. They give you all these study Bibles. Just, there is no reason for us not to be able to study God's Word. And in order for us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of God that is placed upon our lives, it is necessary, it is needful for each one of us to become students of the Word of God, to know it. So that, as Scripture says, that we are able to give an answer for our faith at any time. Because we know what we stand for. So, starting out in verse number 1, David cries out to God. He says, have mercy on me, O God. This word mercy, in its very basic definition, is it means pity. It means compassion. David is saying, because David has just been confronted, David wrote this psalm after his confrontation that Nathan rebuked him. Nathan had come to the king. Now, you understand... <laughs> Nathan was a prophet, but David was the king. And David was not fearful of coming to the king with this charge. Because Nathan had walked with God and he understood that when God had given him a charge, it doesn't matter whether it was towards the king or whoever, there was a need for the confrontation to happen. And so David, Nathan came to him and, and confronted him and David says, Lord, have mercy, have compassion on me according to your steadfast love. He's falling on the 
He's falling on the very lap of the Father and saying, please have mercy on me. Have compassion. According to your abundant mercy, blot out all of my transgressions. All of my, all of my mistakes. All of my sins. All the things that I've done wrong to other people. When we transgress somebody, if I were to, to walk over here and grab her phone, I've transgressed against her because I took something that was hers. Right? It's yours. And you want it, right? It would be mean for me to take this and keep it. Because Anna wants her phone. It's important to her, right? So, when I ask God to forgive... I'm, I'm asking God to forgive me of anything that I've done that has violated a relationship. And David was asking God to forgive the relationship break that he had created with his heavenly Father. And then he says, wash me thoroughly. David wanted God to do the thing. Now, how many of you are good cleaners? You like... You know, how many of you know who to go to if you need something cleaned in your house? A room, a bathroom, something. You, you know how to clean something. <laughs> Kyle, you're pin, point to your wife. Are you saying that's not you, Kyle? Um, I used to think I was a good cleaner. And then I married my wife and realized I just touched the surface. I, actually, I only cleaned the spaces that I thought everybody could see. I never, I never wiped down corners or dusted things that, that, you know, and I don't like knickknacks because then it's even harder to dust. If I can't take something and quickly wipe, if I have to move things to dust it, the reality is it's not going to get dusted. Amen. <laughs> I'm a minimalist by heart. Um, if I could, you know, if I could go into my house with a pressure washer and wash everything down and it would drain, man, I would think that would be the greatest thing in the world. But I've learned how to clean deeper because of my wife. And she grew up in a, where they clean nooks and crannies and all this stuff. David wanted God to do the cleaning because he did not want anything, any residual amount left. So he said, God, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David was dealing with internal things that were going on and he wanted God to come in and do a work inside of him. That other people, he wanted to get to the very depth of the things that are happening in his, in his life. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever... Be David was plagued with his wrongdoing. He needed God to deliver him from his own guilt and shame. Have any of you ever done something and thought you got away with it? And yet your own guilt and shame plagued you? That's never a fun place to be. And David, in theory, would have got away from with this. Because only the leader of the guard knew that David had told him to pull back and, and leave Bathsheba's husband out there to die. Well, the king, the leader of his guards and God. See, God knows all things. We can't, get away, we can't get away from God with those things. And then he says, Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Reality is David was maybe a little overdramatic here. Now David was a, a musician. I'm not saying all musicians are dramatic. But some of them lean towards the drama. Some. I didn't say all of them, Joe. He, he, he was a writer of music and all these things. And I mean, I'm thinking, David, you just had, you sinned with Bathsheba and you had her husband killed. Maybe you offended someone other than God. I don't know. But that's a message for a different day. That's right. You, you tell him, Sawyer. I mean, Hudson, sorry. I knew he wasn't Sawyer. Sawyer doesn't make that much noise. I've tried getting him to make noise, and he doesn't make noise around me. He just looks at me. And then he said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and sin my mother did conceive me. 
And then verse 6 really gets into some important pieces for us. He says, Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. I think it's important to realize that God truly desires for something to happen inside. It's like that thing that you can wash and dress up a pig, but everybody still knows it's a pig, you know? Now, you may love pigs, and I'm not trying to offend you, um, and I'm not calling anybody here a pig. I'm just saying, if you don't take care of what's on the inside, it doesn't matter how much makeup you put on it. (laughs) Some of you will understand this. Young men, and even some not as young, but uh, they had this tendency when they had gotten really sweaty that they would just spray more cologne on, thinking that that would fix their problems. How many of you have known anybody like that? Okay. It really doesn't fix the problem. It just means you stink twice as much as you did before. Because there is a limit to how much cologne you, or perfume you can put on God delights in truth. He wants you to be at peace on the inside. You know, that's important. Now, Levi, if I told you that Huntington Bank down the road um, was robbed today, would it bother you on the inside? No, because you didn't, unless you robbed it, it's not going to bother you, right? I mean, you can be offended that somebody would do that, especially if you have money there. But internally, you don't worry about it as much because you didn't rob it. And so you're not going to walk around with the same level of fear that you're going to be found out for your crime as someone who actually did it. There was a story of a gentleman who had, uh, with a group of people, had robbed a bank years ago and there was a car accident and two individuals were killed and the the bank manager had identified them as the robber and so the person who actually did it got away because these two people were blamed and and years later this gentleman in this desire to maintain his uh his secret had had married a christian started attending church, trying to present this picture that he was this individual that had nothing to be afraid of. You know, nothing to fear. And yet he was confronted during a service with Jesus Christ came to save the sinner. And as he listened to that message, that he realized that he had been living a lie. And that although he may be able to get away with it here on this earth, that one day he was going to need to stand before God and give account. And he knew on that day there would be no excuse. And there would be no way for him to repent of his sins. And so he talked to his wife who had no idea who he was. That he was this individual. And he turned himself in. And And he went to jail for his crime. But he went to jail a new man. He went to jail a man who had made his peace with God. And God was able to redeem his situation. His wife did not divorce him. They worked together. And and years down the road when he did fulfill his sentence, he was able to get out. And God had done such a significant work in his life that he was able to walk differently from that point forward. And I know for those of us here, we think, well, I've never robbed a bank. I've never killed anybody. But the thing we don't always understand is that all sin separates us from God. God God doesn't put a classification that some sins are worse than others. Sin separates. And if you want to walk in a level of close relationship with God, you individually must deal with the sins that are present in your own life. And I'm not here to judge you for that. I'm not here to tell you what's right or wrong for you. (laughs) 
For some people, eating meat is wrong. Hey, that's okay if that's you. It's not wrong for me. Praise God. But, but I'm not going to lord it over someone who's struggling. My daughter doesn't eat much meat. I don't make fun of her for it. But I don't quit eating meat just because it offends her. But I don't make her do it. For her, it's a, there are other issues involved. And so, but each one of us have those things. We have to deal with what's going to be right for us in our lives. And we have to deal with God. She's at peace with God with the decisions she's made for how, her life. You have to be okay with God for the things that you do with your life. God wants you to take care of some things today. So he says he delights in truth. In the, truth in the inward part means that you're living honestly on the inside of who you are. There's no pretense. There is no, um, there's no lie. <laughs> you know what? You can sit down and have a conversation with me about anything. I, I don't have anything that I have done that I can think of that what you could hold against me. I don't, so I don't walk around in fear. That's what God wants of us. God doesn't want us to walk in fear because we've done something wrong, afraid someone's going to find out. Verse 7 says, purge me with hyssop. I thought this, I've always thought this was interesting. I didn't understand it fully, so I did a little bit of simple research. I just typed in meaning of purge with hyssop. That shows you how simple it is. You can do that on your own search, and, it, and one of the things, it'll pull up this information. I didn't doctor it up. I didn't put it in my words. I'm telling you, it's not my work. Praise God, someone else had this out there. The Hebrew word for purge is chada probably pronounced wrong that's okay which means to make reconciliation or to purify whenever the priest in the temple had to sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice in the midst of the cleansing ritual he used what we called a brush it was made of three parts the brush was a bundle of hyssop the handle was clear wood was not clear wood they didn't have clear wood cedar cedar wood and the hyssop was tied to the handle with a scarlet cord. It's interesting that the cedar was the highest tree and hyssop was the lowest shrub. One commentator referred to the contrast as the heavenly nature and the earthly nature of Christ. Combined in one and the scarlet cord was the salvation that tied them all together. So this purges with hyssop is the marrying of the heavenly with the earthly so that we may be made right with God. He goes on, he says, and purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. This whiter than snow is the presentation of being made right before God. This, this passage is referred to many times in the scriptures that deals with uh, this process of, of us coming to, before God and Him making us right. So whiter than snow means that God has cleansed us. We are in right standing. When God looks at us, there is no, um, there is no shadow. There is no question. Verse 8, he says, Let me hear joy and gladness. See, even though God had punished David prior to Nathan coming uh, to him, there was a loss of joy present. Even though God had not punished David prior to Nathan coming, there was a loss of joy present in his life. See, sin destroys our joy. Sin destroys our joy. We may have pleasure for a season. Scripture says that sin can be pleasurable for a season, but there is a difference between pleasure and joy. And we truly walk into a position where we've lost our joy. And he says, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Because God confronted David and there was, uh, there was a breaking that had to take place. Um, to give you an illustration of it, um, I had a knee injury for years. Um, gone to doctors in you know a couple states trying to fix it and figure out what's going on and and here just recently i'm starting a new last week i started a new therapy uh, it's a deep tissue chiropractic therapy and um 
the doctor a couple weeks ago when I did my initial therapy said, he said, I'm just going to tell you it's going to hurt. Now, I don't like it when doctors tell them, aren't they supposed to re, you know, relieve you of pain? But he just let me know. And so he was doing some simple things that day, and it hurt. And he said, and I just, this is the beginning level. This is not even me doing therapy. This is me just showing you where you have pain. And so I did that Thursday night, and he, he found my, my most painful spot in my leg, and he took his thumbs and began to push in there, and it's like, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm holding on to the bench, and he said, now breathe. I'm not trying to have a baby, but I'm just trying to get through the pain. <laughs> and, then, and then he just keeps moving, he said, now this is just a start, and he moves down my leg, because he said, what I'm doing is I'm trying to get to the very base part where the muscle has developed all this scar tissue, and I have to break up this scar tissue so that your leg will start to function properly again. Now, he spent 30 minutes doing this. So I understand this whole process that when God comes in and he begins to break down the scar tissue that has developed because we have walked in a level of sinfulness, things that have violated our relationship with God for a period of time, and those things have developed scar tissue to where it's connected now. It's part of our life. And anytime we try to separate ourselves from that thing that God has said is wrong for us, there is a pain when God is trying to deliver us from it. And we may look at God and say, God, stop, that hurts. And He says, I know, but it is the only way you're going to be set free from this thing. We, we think that God being able to set us free should be painless, but it, it is not painless. It is going to cost us something. And so he began to do this process on my knee and on my hip and all these things because he said that these things are all connected. See, sometimes we think our sin doesn't affect anything else. doesn't affect anyone else. But your, your sin always affects more than just you. It affects your whole family. It destroys families. And we don't realize it until it's too late. In order for us to, to walk in the things of God, we must deal with the things that prevent us from having the blessing of God. And sin will always prevent us from experiencing the blessings of God. So that's why this is the foundation for where we're going in the next several weeks. David wants to hear joy. He wants to hear gladness. He wants the broken things that God had broke to be healed. David reminds God, he says, hide your face from my sins. And blot out all my transgressions. David doesn't want God to, to remind him any more of those things. He just he is overwhelmed by his own sinfulness. And then David really in this verse starts to get into the heart of really one of the things that set David apart to be a man after God's own heart. David in verse number 10 says, Create in me a clean heart. David wants a fresh start. He wants God to make him new again and renew a right spirit within me. That right spirit is that thing, is that portion of us that has intercession with God the Father. And he doesn't want anything to prevent fellowship. I've told you all before, um, my oldest daughter, Tia, the most painful thing of discipline that I could ever do was a separation of fellowship. If, if I just communicated to her that I was disappointed and there was that little bit of separation between her and I, it broke her heart. She would rather me spank her because the spanking got over quickly. But that, that initial separation between us and the Father, it really did something internally. I, I'm that way with God. I would rather God just spank me than for me to feel like He is not communing with me today. So David says, renew a right spirit. 
Cast me not away. Don't, don't push me away, God. I need to be near you. I want to be with you. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And David is crying out to God. He is, he is so broken by his own sinfulness. He realizes that what he did was wrong. Church, we must come to a place where our sinfulness breaks our own heart. See, it's, it's not enough that our sinfulness breaks the heart of our family, our sinfulness must break our own hearts. And he says, restore the joy of your salvation. He realized that the salvation wasn't his, it was God's. That God was the one who did this work and he wants that relationship restored. He wants that, that presence, he wants that reality of walking with God to be where it used to be. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Nothing to separate us. And David gets, he's so excited. And he says, I will teach transgressors. I will teach other people that are walking away from you who are allowing sin to separate them from you. I will teach them your ways. And sinners will return to you. Because David had this experience that God had so changed him and transformed him that he knew because of his own experience that he would lead other people to the reality of a relationship with God. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. This, this blood guilt, you know, he understood that there, were, there was blood on his hands. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. We, we would always like to say, God, let me do something to fix this. Let me give something to fix this. And God says, no. David finishes this up in 17. says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. See, these two things really are interchangeable. The, this, these two things talk about the reality that David understood his own sinfulness. He understood that thing that separated him from God. David now was at a place that God could speak to him more clearly because there was nothing that um, could prevent God from truly intersecting David's life here. Church, this process of brokenness is learning to weep over those things in our own lives that separate us from God. That's, that's what brokenness... This right here, when you become fully broken before God, you're going to have aspects of your life that are going to look like this. When God confronts you and breaks you, there will be sharp edges that will need to be dealt with. And God's going to work on putting you back together. And you're going to be useful in His house. Others may discard you because that brokenness doesn't make you as pretty as some others. But God looks at you and thinks, man, I can tell you about those cracks and how they were healed. See, when we walk in a, in a level of understanding that the things that God has fixed are part of the story, the testimony of God in our own lives, we're not worried about the cracks because <laughs> there's a story. <laughs> it's like uh, young people when they have stitches. You know, there's a story to go with their stitches. Uh, I was giving uh, Ellis, you know, a hard time. You know, he's got, two, he's got a, a little finger cast on both hands now and he's got a story. Ellis... Kids are great because they have very detailed stories on their injuries. And they love to tell you their story. The older we get, sometimes we like hiding from our stories. But the reality, it doesn't change the fact that these, broke, these breaks in our life are part of our story that God wants us to be okay to tell. And so, we're going to get ready to close. And... I want you to come to a place 
I'm not telling you today you have to pour out your heart on the altar, although this was a good place to pour out your heart. Um, the worship team, if you just play us something here for a little bit. Um, this process of coming before God and pouring out your heart is a process individually that we walk through. I, you may f- have someone here you've offended and you have to go to them and say, I've offended you. I've had this against you. Take care of it. It's okay. We're a family. But you don't have to come and spill all the mistakes of your life before me. Now, if God tells you you need to confess with me the things that you've done or go to another brother or sister in here, which I release you to do, talk to someone else in the house of God, because Scripture says that confess our sins one to another, there is that process that we can do because then it causes us to be accountable to someone else for the things that we've done wrong. If that is where you're at, then please do it. But the most important thing that we can do is confess our sins to God. To find a place of prayer first and foremost. To go to God and say, God, forgive me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. I need a transformation. I need a change. I need an awareness in my own life of how you want me to walk differently today. And so if that is you, then I'm going to invite you here in this period of time. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you then to come and just find a place to pray. And then if God leads you to talk with someone individually, I would encourage you to do so because I guarantee you, you will be strengthened when someone else knows those things and is able to uphold you in that. But let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the ability to call upon your name, to ask forgiveness, to repent of our sins. That word repentance doesn't mean just to say I'm sorry, but it means to turn away from those things, to go away from that which has caused us to to stumble, to fall. Lord, we repent today. We turn away from our sin and we walk in newness of life. We do that today because it is our desire to be made right with you, God. So we come to you in our brokenness, desiring to be made right with you. While our worship team plays for us, sings for us here, if that's you, I'm just going to invite you to come. Find a place to pray. And then if you need someone to agree with you on something, uh, you can grab hold of someone to pray with you or you can come talk to me. But we're just going to spend just a, a moment here in His presence. And so while our worship team does this, be released to come.
God, we surrender to You all that we are. We submit to You that which You desire, that You may use us, that You may work in us to accomplish Your goodwill. We thank You for this opportunity. Continue to confront us with those things that separate us from You. We just thank You. We pray Your blessing on each one today. Help us to walk in the fullness of Your presence, touching those that You put into our path. We also uh, pray over this offering here this morning, Lord. We thank You for the opportunity to give. We thank You for Your bountiful provision in our lives. We thank You for doing things in our lives that we never saw possible. We pray a blessing. Multiply it. We thank You for it. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Don't forget to sign up today for um, our uh, mystery trip if you uh, would like to go on that. And Gene is pretty flexible on the age for seniors. And so uh, if you're any age and you'd like to go on a mystery trip, um, there'll be a couple vehicles typically that go on that. And so uh, just talk to Gene and she is... Uh, she lets Constance be a, a senior and trust me you know so if you want to go and be part of this uh, just talk to her and then just be preparing buying some water um, so we, we really like the small little um, what are they four ounce bottled water um, for our festival those really are helpful because uh, a lot of times kids just need a couple drinks and they're off and running and then bag, small bags of chips any little Debbie stuff, stuff like that, hot dogs. Um, God bless you. Love on one another.